Welcome to the Making Awesome Podcast, Season 3, Episode 44, where we're supposed to have a guest. Um, I don't know where he is. So we're going to do a solo show for a little bit. If he shows up, great. Uh, if he doesn't, um, I'm sorry, because uh, th this is not going according to plan. Sometimes things happen in people's lives, and emergencies come up, and life happens. I don't know what. But, you know, hey, we're still going to send it. So I can try to talk about Polycam, but it would have been a lot cooler with one of the co-founders. So either way, we're just going to send it. This is part of doing live content is that sometimes things happen and uh, either people are running late. You don't hear from them. Uh, but if for some reason he does show, I am already pre-prepared. I've, 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 I've got the double one set up. So, you know, we'll... uh. We'll see what happens, but for right now, we are going to send it. We're going to talk all about Polycam. It's just going to be with me, I I guess. I don't know. Maybe we'll turn this one into an AMA. I, we'll see. We'll do a little bit of Polycam, give him maybe 5-10 minutes, and at that point, I will probably look at uh, completely um, reworking the, uh, the episode into something else. Anyways... Let's get into it. So we've talked previously about 3D scanning and a lot of what comes with 3D scanning. And I've talked about getting into it before. Part of this... I'm getting a phone call. That is the client. Let me take this. Sorry. Okay. At least they are now aware. Uh, so that that was the the person who runs PR. She's going to go ahead and make a call for me. So we'll see what happens. Um, and, you know, John Olson, John Olson's making a great point here that uh, Polycam is a good reason to tell my wife I need a newer iPhone. Uh, <laughs> that is, that is kind of part of it, right? Like, I have been a diehard Android fanboy for years. Decked out with Victoria stickers, merch coming soon. I have been a diehard Android fanboy, and stuff like Polycam and the fact that it can use the LiDAR built into the phone is pretty ridiculous. Like, I am crazy, crazy excited to see something like that. Because let's be real, right? The consumer-grade 3D scanners that can connect to your phone kind of suck. Their interface sucks, and they often require you to have a computer as well, right? You need a computer to then post-process. The Revo Point, like the, the Revo Point uh, range, which can connect to a phone, it can do good scans, but then you have to process it on a computer because if you process it on the phone, it is much lower resolution. So that is an option for all of us that do run like Android or some other platform that isn't, you know, LiDAR-based. But there is part of this where, all right, not having any extra gear to be able to take a 3D scan is kind of cool. 
we do have some awesome people here hanging out. Let's say hi to them. We have uh, Tech Zetech is here. Mad Cat USA, thank you for holding it down on the mod. Jason Graham is here. Thomas, John Olson, of course. Uh, Jacques, Jacques, I'm going to go with Jacques Veralt. I'm going to try that. We'll see how I did. I probably didn't do great. But uh, Jacques is saying, I have a Samsung Galaxy S23 Ultra. Is that iPhone adequate enough for scanning? And what program would be good enough? That's not an iPhone, so it would not work. Um, Polycam does work with Android phones. It just obviously doesn't have LiDAR. And until Android phones get that LiDAR capability, we won't see that extra bit. So Polycam, this is speculation because the guy I'm supposed to interview is not here. Hopefully coming soon TM. But uh, my speculation is that Polycam just operates as photogrammetry without LiDAR. And photogrammetry is a really, really cool thing. So if I want to do something like scan the cat bed, okay, you would take a phone or a camera, preferably like a DSLR, and you would just take a bunch of photos. Even better, if you can keep the camera stationary and then rotate the object, because then you have a known distance that your camera is to a known point. The fact that Polycam can take our idiot mobility issues, moving around something, taking photos from random distances with bad lighting, with it, the fact that it can make a mesh at all is honestly astounding to me. It is just purely astounding to me that that is even a possibility. And to see that this can be done on a cell phone is even cooler because with polycam while they do have a cloud processing they can do minimal processing on the phone this reminds me a lot of the occipital structure scanner that i use a lot i love that little scanner it connects to an ipad where it could do processing on the ipad but then if you needed further processing you had to send it to a cloud server that is the best of both worlds where i can look at something lower res verify that it looks okay and if i like it then go ahead and send it to a cloud server Polycam does operate in the freemium atmosphere uh, where it is, you know, a little bit of money and you get it. You can do some scans for free. I, again, I, I, I don't, I don't particularly use Polycam all that much. I will literally have to check my phone to see. Um, but for me, it is great for those that want to get into 3D scanning, don't want to spend thousands of dollars on a decent 3d scanner and computer to run it and they don't want to do more than carry their phone right like yeah okay when i go out and i scan uh professional sports teams might be scanning the bucks in a couple of weeks so stay tuned we will do a video on that uh but you know if we go out and scan professional sports teams i'm not gonna use a phone i don't care how good the phone is i'm not gonna use the phone because there is part of it where you need to use metrology-grade equipment, and phones just don't hit that. But if I'm going out to, you know, capture a, a home, let's say I'm a realtor, Polycam for Realtors is truly one of the game-changers out there. It is truly a game-changer, where you are functionally able to just scan the entire house that is inside and outside and while it's not going to be photorealistic quality 
You're not expecting it to be photorealistic quality. You want the people that are looking to buy the house to be able to walk through it, look around, walk through the next room, look around. They're not going to zoom in and check to measure if the wall outlet is exactly 18 inches from the ground. They're not going to do that. They want to get an idea of what the space feels like, and Polycam kind of enables that. And that's why I kind of always called it the gateway to 3D scanning. It's the gateway drug into 3D scanning because it requires nothing more than your cell phone. And that's it. There's nothing that you need to do. So when you are looking at getting into it, Polycam is pretty much the easiest way. And thanks to Madcat, we know it is three days for free, $19.99 a month or 80 bucks a year. We were hoping to have a coupon code, so stay tuned. Maybe we'll have some coupon codes, assuming this actually happens. Um, but Texas, Texas, I actually use Arduino to control a stepper and trigger an IR remote to trigger a Nikon D90 for my current setup. Works good so far, hashtag still learning. That is one of the old school ways to do it. Um, so photogrammetry, traditionally, you have two different methods that are utilizing DSLRs. You can either choose the, I'm just going to use one camera or I'm going to use a crap load of cameras. Often, if you're looking for gigapixel quality stuff, you are, you are looking for um, really, really high end, right? 60 plus, you, the minimum is 30, but you normally want 60 plus DSLRs all in an array. It's really cool. Um, if you are part of our Discord, I will see if I can find the pictures of arrays that I've worked on. Um, I can't post them because what's in those pictures is something that I can't show publicly. Uh, but I can show it to our private Discord. That's fine. Um, but it is, it is, uh, honestly, it's, it's pretty cool. Um, the arrays are nice. The problem is they take like three to four days to set up and tear down. They require multiple computers because you're processing so much. You're processing near a terabyte worth of worth of data on a decent quality rig because you're not using JPEGs. You're using RAW. Okay. Jason Graham asks, is Polycam local processing or cloud? It sounds like RAM on the phone is limiting for other software. So either they're doing something cool with the memory or offloading to a server. I believe Polycam has options for both. Don't quote me on that. Again, I I, I have really nice scanners and that are portable with nice computers that can run them. So I don't use Polycam a lot personally. But uh, to be clear, this was something that Polycam had reached out to us. They wanted to have... Uh, Elliot, who was the co-founder, come on uh, and talk with me. And I'm like, yeah, sure. And they actually got lucky because uh, starting in two weeks, we're going to start uh, like guests that we don't explicitly invite uh, will be a sponsored only thing. So that's fun. We also have a cool guest potentially lined up for next week. Uh, looks like Nero is going to be coming on next week. So if you guys want to hear all about Nero's journey in additive and subtractive because he comes from the subtractive world. Uh, stay tuned for that one. Get subscribed, leave a like, support Patreon, YouTube channel members, and all of that as you do. I apologize for seeing for seeming very much uh, off here. This is not the show that I was expecting, uh, and unfortunately, it, it you know this is a part of being a small business owner, which is you just kinda send it. Um, yeah. Anyways, I'm checking my emails, checking my phone a lot to see, you know, what the plan is, uh, because right now, 
I, I don't I don't have anything. So sorry if this is not the best show on in the world, and uh, I thoroughly apologize for those that were expecting something and are not getting it. Anyways. I believe that it is good for us to start looking at 3D scanning as a functional workflow inside of additive, right? The desire to just... Dude, how many times... Those of you that own 3D printing businesses, how many times has someone called you and said, hey, can you make this for me? Well, sure, do you have a file? No, but you can just 3D scan it and make me an exact copy, right? Because the general public doesn't have too much of an understanding of what 3D scanning does and how it works, I firmly believe that Polycam is, the, is one of the greatest ways to say, hey, go to your app store, download Polycam, and try it. You will see how rough the mesh can be. While our scanners will work better than that, it is a great way to tell people, hey, it is not as easy as just scan and print. There is something along the way. So John Olson says, I've got their webpage open and looking through their gallery, starting at a cupcake that looks really good and making me hungry. Now the trick and something to take note of, if you ever look at 3D scan data, you need to ask people to remove the texture. And I've done that. And it's why I agree to do the interview with Polycam, because every time that I've asked a Polycam user to remove the texture, the underlying mesh is way better than I expected it to be. Especially when you do the, uh, so, oh God, I'm dropping things. Uh, hold on. Those are headphones. Oh, those are my Bluetooth headphones. And if they opened up, they're going to connect to my phone. And I need to make sure that they didn't. They did not. Beautiful. Okay. We're good. Great. So on a, on a cell phone, on an, on an iPhone, you have your rear-facing LiDAR, your front-facing LiDAR. The front-facing LiDAR is way better because it's designed to scan your face. Now, as an identical twin, I've always wanted to try it. Um, but I know with, like, my longer hair and my facial hair, my brother and I will have some differences. But it is something that I've always wanted to try uh, and try to get a better idea of how good it actually is um, to see if we can trick an iPhone's face recognition because... We're, we're, we're twins. Anyways, um, we, we see that this educational gap exists. And so part of it is, uh, is really giving that information and data and assistance to the average user to get them moving in that right direction. Um, let me see. I know Jacques was asking about my cat. She, I can see her. Oh, no, I can't see her. So she's probably back in the bedroom. Um, she is doing better. Uh, those in the Discord, we had continual movement, which is good. Uh, except, uh, okay, my, my cat's my cat's full of poo. Uh, my cat was constipated. That, that, that's, that, she was sick. She was throwing up a lot. And I'm like, why is this cat throwing up every single time she's eating? I took her to the vet. If you're in our Patreon Discord, it's the $10 tier and higher. You actually got to see everything. And in fact... We have some really awesome people in our Discord. We have someone that's in radiology. Mad Cat does some stuff involving medical. Of course, the better three quarters does stuff involving medical. So I tagged all of them when I got her x-rays back. Like, what are we seeing? And yeah, she's uh, she, she, she was full of crap. She takes after her dad. So uh, after a 
liberal application of fiber to everything. Um, she has made a mess in my house. It smelled for about four hours, and uh, the cat seems to be in much better spirits and has not thrown up yet, so we'll take it. Yes, I'm spending part of my podcast talking about 3D scanning to discuss my cat pooping, so you're welcome. <laughs> but hey, look, I'm happy. Uh, this is good because the next option, and it's, I go to a nonprofit vet. If you guys saw the Thursday time life, you'll see that I was actually there on Thursday. But it's called Planned Pethood. It is objectively the best name for a nonprofit vet on the planet, period, end of story. And um, when uh, when I got the bill, that's what I love about nonprofit vets. Uh, they are very nice. They understand that I don't have any income. So it's very expensive for me to afford vet visits. They are a nonprofit vet. So it was $133 for the, to get seen and three x-rays. The next step up is an ultrasound, which is $450. And then we go into surgery, which is another three to $400. So, yeah. Um... So Jason Graham says, see, Polycam guy, what happens when you no show? That's a great question, Jason. That's never happened before. So we're just going to send it and try to talk about things. And, uh, you know, we're 20 minutes deep. He has not replied to emails. And unfortunately, uh, it looks like we might just end up. This is going to be one of those lost episodes, right, that we do that I end up. I'm going to end up changing the title on this, uh, changing the thumbnail um, because it, it doesn't make sense because it's. It's just me. Uh, actually, Mad Cat, can you ping Andrew to make me a new thumbnail uh, with my face on it and change the text? Um, it, it, it's no big deal. Um, but, you know, if he doesn't show, I'm, I'm, I'm going to pull the branding. And yes, Geek Toy Box, go hang out in the Discord. Talk with Mad Cat. He'll fill you in. Um, and yes, you actually remembered. And our guy's not here. So, uh TLDR, crap happens, right? That's 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 that literally covers the last two things I've talked about. Crap happens. <laughs> Ooh, it's starting to thunder outside. You know, we only had a 15% chance of rain. Um Ooh, I hope uh let me see if Andrew's editing. If he's not, he's not. I'm gonna put the editing computer to sleep. Give me just a second, uh, because it will uh it will lower the amount of wattage draw that i have in here so it will allow my uh my computer to last longer on battery um allison ford says is it the time difference it might be but i sent a calendar invite to his personal gmail account so it is what it is man it is what it is uh jason graham says that he runs a Sarek. ah yes we just lost power we're good. We're good. Battery backups for the win! <laughs> yeah, if you see the lights flash behind me, it's because we lost power. Um, so, yeah, battery backups for the win. Uh, Jason Graham says, I run a Sarek uh, scanner at Work Dental, so I was interested in how well just an app-tier solution were closing the gap. Um, it's not even close, right? So... I don't know much about the Sarek scanners. I don't even know who that company is, to be honest with you. But I can tell you dental scanners need to be accurate to, like, you know, thousandths of a millimeter, right? You're dealing with really, really tight accuracy and tight tolerances. My uh, Artec uh, Spider is a joke compared to what most dental scanners can do. 
Um, and uh, the thing is with dental scanners, they only scan things like this big, right? Um, Artec has a mic. It's called the Artec Micro. Uh, that thing is good down to 0 0.01 millimeters, um, which is just nutter butters, right? That's 10 microns, right? No, that's one micron. Is that right? Is that good math? No, that's 10 microns. Because um, when you're dealing with dental stuff, that's a big deal. So those of you that ever had Invisalign or any of the copies of Invisalign, it's 3D printed, but not in the way that you think. It is 3D scanned. Then they print your teeth and then they vacuum form over it traditionally. I don't know how it is done otherwise, but traditionally that is how it's done. Also, if it gets really bad, I will turn off my... Um, I have noise suppression turned on for my microphone. I'll turn it off for you guys so you can get some of the, the nice uh, rain. I would say I'll move out to my garage and go film out there, but um, my entire space is being currently renovated by some friends of mine. So Jazz and Joe and Amber, you guys are the real MVPs this week. Um, my i'm getting my house back we're, we're doing a lot of extra work to clean everything up joe is currently in my garage working while i'm in here doing a podcast so uh thanks guys for all of your assistance in making this kind of thing possible i greatly appreciate it um anyways it is a totally different world when you look at dental versus anything else the everything in the dental world for 3d scanning is just insane jonathan why are you here tarzman 013 you're in hawaii go spend time in hawaii stop it my brother is away for a week because his girlfriend's brother is getting married in Hawaii and not for the traditional destination wedding that you would think it is because he is a geologist and they want to go see volcanoes and stuff and that is really cool that is the, that is like so cool I am totally jealous but Jonathan did go with a bunch of our cameras uh so we might release some of that footage but it will only be to uh the discord tiers and higher because I'm just gonna put it on the discord server because that's all personal stuff. I am not releasing it to the general public. Anyways. Uh, yeah. Real MVP, Jonathan. Uh, Thomas upgraded to members only Discord. Thomas, shoot me an email. I will get you all of that stuff. And I will do it right now. Uh, so if you shoot me an email, YouTube at 3dmusketeers.com. I will do it right now. Um, I do have to go and find the right link to send you. That is no big deal. Anyways, um, so part of this the deal for scanning is that you have to kind of work with what you got. And the depth sensing on the iPhone front-facing, right? Or rear-facing? All right, all right. We have to set a standard here. The camera that faces me is front-facing. The camera that faces away from me is rear-facing. Are we good with that? We're good with that? Because I'm going to roll with that. Cool. Thanks. Great. Awesome. Yeah, lost power again. We got battery backups, boys. That was two blips. Let's go. And the, the internet's on a battery backup. This computer's on a battery backup. The printer's behind me are on a battery backup. I got battery backups. Just don't go out for more than about eight minutes because I'm fairly certain one of the batteries in my bank on this computer is dying, and that's not good. Anyways, 
I am ADHDing my way through this one because this is not this is not what I expected. Uh, so unfortunately, we're just gonna roll with it. Um, so I'm just gonna edit the title for right now, and if I have to change it, you know, we'll. Which is, the title is still actually pretty good. Uh, just you know, yeah, stacks on stacks of lead batteries. That's right, stacks on stacks of lead batteries. Uh, can I at least get a like for, you know, running a podcast that was supposed to be a dual episode as a single person in the middle of a thunderstorm when I am losing power? Can I get a like for that? That, that earned, that's, that's a like, I'm sorry. That has earned a like, and I don't care who you are. It's earned that like. But the deal with the iPhone, uh, rear facing LiDAR is that. It's not very accurate. It is designed to scan far away. And when I say far away, I mean between 5 and 10 meters. And that is pretty good, but it's designed for exactly what you would think. Scanning rooms. Scanning buildings. And Apple is doing this. And if you notice that Apple is coming out with this VR thing, right? This whole Apple VR. Or whatever the hell they're calling it. I don't know. I'm sure it's something special that I'm not getting the name right for. Um, they are really pushing now AR and VR. Well, the phones have had this ability to make AR and VR stuff immediately for a few years now. And that brings this technology closer to being a commercially viable product. We've talked about this in the past where the big issue with 3D scanning is that it is simply not commercially viable because it is too expensive to get good and it's too complicated to be good. And so systems like Polycam and the one that Ethan's dad did, uh, what is that one? It was EM3D, I think. Like it, it, it's, a, it's a content creator, his name is Ethan's dad. Yeah, Ethan's dad did a scanning app called EM3D that uses the front side LiDAR. That is exactly what like that is the kind of stuff that we look for thomas is a member for three months says come for the cat stay for the content or vice versa you know honestly if you're coming here for the content and you stay because of the cat i'm cool with that if you come here for the cat and you stay because of the content i'm cool for that too i'm gonna call out one of our members right now who just joined uh the the discord uh there i they're gonna leave them nameless because it doesn't seem right to you know be like that um but they uh they joined because they found us back in the cricket days um and i'm sorry thomas i'm literally just sending you the discord link uh i'm not gonna go through and like give you a thank you message i'm doing it right now but uh they came from the days of when we were talking about cricket and they thought it was cool but they weren't you know they, they weren't a monetary fan their husband got into 3D printing and then they picked up 3D printing, you know, like that. And then they were going through YouTube and they saw us again and they remembered the content. Like, it's the same guy was talking about cricket three years ago. And yes, yes, it is. It is the same person, um, which is kind of cool, right? It means that we leave an impact on people. And if that means the fact that I'm a little brash from time to time leaves an impact on people, well, by golly. I'm happy that we have it. But I want to educate, right? And I get that sometimes I'm not very sponsor friendly, 
So that is going to be changing. Guys are going to see more sponsor friendly content um, as I look to become a full-time content creator. And part of that is looking to work with big companies. Um, but yeah, the, the thing with building a system that becomes a mass commercialization project is that it has to work on hardware that you already have. If you need me to buy a $3,500 VR headset to do VR, you have limited what VR can do by simply putting the price point so high that it is no longer something that makes sense. Also, Thomas, check your email. Um, and so doing it on the phones that you already spend $2,000 for, right? Good iPhones are going to run you two grand. This is a Samsung Galaxy S20 FE. I bought it for less than $300 brand new on Amazon, okay? It is a 5G phone that has expandable storage. It is the last Samsung that has expandable storage, and I will keep it for as long as I functionally can. <laughs> so, oh, excuse me. I uh, apparently was outside enough yesterday that my allergies are acting up, so that's cool. Sorry. Uh, uh, Ram Online is saying to team up with Hector. I'm assuming that's Hector from Fabrico, and if that's the case, I got some goodness coming from Fabrico, and it will be arriving today. Uh, it's stuff for the bamboo. So I'm excited for that. Just some new build plates. Uh, Fabrico wanted me to try them out, and I uh, finally bothered Hector when he was at the office still, so it worked out. But all right, when we look at this commercialization, right, consumers don't want to buy more crap, right? Especially for something that they're going to use every now and then. A realtor will buy something good. That's why Matterport exists. In fact, Matterport was the best solution to relatively affordable 3D scanning before Polycam came around. And Matterport even now has a little thing where you put your phone in it and it does photogrammetry with your phone. So you put it on a tripod and it goes through an entire like system of taking photos. It's actually pretty cool. And uh, there's Thomas in the discord. I need to give him the correct. Oh, it gave him the correct thing. Well, I'm going to give him the, 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 the patron dis distinction too. So he gets the Patreon channel. Welcome home slice. Look at that. Look at that. We're multitasking today, boys. Let's go. Let's go. In a thunderstorm solo episode, even when we weren't expecting it. So that means Nero, Nero gets to have fun with me next week. Anyways, we are readily needing some sort of solution. I think that, you know, like the EM3D or Polycam or some of the other competitors that exist in this industry, the cell phone-based 3D scanning opens up those that have a understanding for the tech that isn't exactly accurate to be something that does actually work. Part of the process is making it simple. And from what I've used with Polycam, the integration, the UI, the UX is actually pretty simple. Number four, let's go. Number four for power loss. And uh, number five, Polycam has some of the best UI UX out there. And it, that one is kind of hard to look past. Number six, let's go. <laughs> yeah. Ah, Florida life. 
Uh, sorry, I get distracted every time. Every everything beeps and all that. Ram online, member for three months, member only Discord. Smash that like button for our grant streaming in the storm. It's Florida. There's just storms all the time. Uh, do we drink every time the power goes out? I mean, you can try. Uh, you can try, but we're in the middle of a big thunderstorm. It was not supposed to rain today, but apparently Mother Nature had other plans. Anyways. Matt says, hey, at least he's not clapping during the live stream. Well, Mother Nature is clapping for me. I haven't filmed uh, next week's video yet because uh, we've been slammed cleaning up uh, the space here. But uh, we will see because uh, we're going to put a new desk out on the set. It's going to be fun. Streaming later this week, we'll be doing an entire uh, desk build, hopefully later this week. Um, anyways. Having that hardware that already exists be better, work better, use better, right? The whole system be more usable makes for a project and a product that is functional to the end user. There is a necessity here where, again, we're all kind of like this, right? Even makers, right? It's why bamboo printers are so popular. It is the biggest reason bamboo printers are so popular because it is, for most people, a unbox, click print, you have print, right? It is as close to the Apple as you can get with an out-of-the-box experience. I would say that even Prusa will struggle to have an out-of-the-box experience as easy as Bamboo. And yes, John, I will do the, mo the, the most uh, for most people. <laughs> But that's why their printer is so popular, because for a lot of people, they do just work. And if you want to look at a product and make it a. Oh, hey, our guest is here. Uh, Let's let him in. How you How doing? You you are live. <laughs> <laughs> Great. How you doing, buddy? Happy to be live. Doing well. Yeah. Sorry about the sorry about the lateness. It's okay. Life happens, man. Let me just make sure that everybody can hear you. Uh, do we have Elliot live and clear? Well, they're all saying welcome, so I, I'm assuming they can hear you loud and clear. Amazing. Well, thank Hello, you, everybody. Thank Thanks you for, for having me. Yeah, man. Hey, um, we were talking just a little bit about. Uh, well, I, I was trying to wing it, <laughs> trying to wing because I'm like, I am not the right person to be talking about Polycam. Uh, but I would love to learn more about it. And yeah. so since, I guess, let's have you go through what Polycam is. Let's go with your background as well. Give us the Backstreet Boys. And I got to start it off this way. The who you are, the where you're from, the what you did, and as long as you love me. <laughs> All right. Um. Well, first of all, thank you for having me. Super great to to join. Um, I'm excited to chat about Polycam, and uh, so I'll I'll start with what Polycam is. I mean, I'm sure people who are who are watching have maybe some idea, but uh, for those that don't, it's a it's a company uh, first and foremost. But we make an app or a series of apps that uh, make 3D capture very easy for folks. Um, easy, straightforward. The the primary apps are mobile apps, so on iOS and Android. Um, there's a bunch of different modes that let you capture, uh, 3d, uh, reconstructions, uh, in, 
in a couple of different ways. So you can get photogrammetry models or models generated by the, the process of photogrammetry. You can get um, LIDAR reconstruction, so LIDAR fusion. Uh, you can, we, we integrate with Apple's um, room mode, uh, room plan API. So you can get kind of like a simplified room reconstruction. Uh, and then we also, our newest mode is this 360 photo capture where you can get a, a complete photosphere for a skybox image inside of a, a you know, scene editor, video game, um, VFX software, whatever you want. Uh, so yeah, a bunch of different modes. And um, and the story, I mean, how we kind of got started is uh, the, the other co-founder and I um, met, well, I guess going back one or two steps further, I'm, my background is in like creative technology and design. Um, so I got my graduate degree in design uh, in 2017. And from there, I started a, I kind of went down two paths. I, I started making some AR apps. Um, and then I was also working on like these interactive lighting installations. Um, and the, the AR apps, the initial like thought was to make some games that you could play using your face as a controller. Um, so the the name of the company that I started was called Face Games, and uh, and the, the the kind of main mainstreamest one was uh, Eyebrow Pinball. So you could you can control the paddles. Oh, you'd be really good at it. No, you could control it with your freaking eyebrows. Yeah. Oh yeah, man. Oh, that's some videos. I'm just later. If if Dwayne the Rock Johnson was not your spokesperson for this, I mm-hmm. I, I think you're missing out on an opportunity for that one. <laughs> yeah, we um, it was. I mean, it was like just me kind of working yeah. through it. So I wasn't very good at the business side, but I was very <laughs> close to figuring out a deal with uh, Red Bull and Anthony Davis, um, the basketball player who's right. you know known for his yeah. majestic unibrow. Um, so that was, that was super fun. Uh, it did not turn into the massive business that I was hoping, um, probably understandably yeah, not a huge market fair. for face control games, although they are all over TikTok now. So it's fun. Um, but I, I kind of rerouted it into, I was connected with a group of people at Mount Sinai hospital, uh, that are working on assistive technology interfaces. So, um, I, I got in touch with a group there that is uh, making stuff for fully people who are fully quadriplegic. No. Um, and we, we turned the face controlled games into um, a mouse that you could connect to a computer. So mobile phone reads somebody's facial input that gets sent to a computer. You can control like with your head direction, you can kind of control the position of the mouse. You can click it with a, a gesture of your choice. And that was, that was really rewarding. Um, and but but again, not a huge like bill payer. Uh, so eventually, I had to land on a full time job, and that full time job happened to be at this company, Ubiquity Six, uh, which is no longer no longer its own standalone company. It was acquired by Discord uh, at the start of the pandemic, and uh, that's where I met Chris, who's the other co founder of Polycam. And we um, the the vision of the company is very cool. Is is this awesome thing to be working on. It, the idea was um, persistent AR content so that you'd you'd leave, if you put a dinosaur in AR in the middle of your street, say out in front of your house, um, other people who came by and had the same app or hooked into the same framework could point their phones exactly where you left the dinosaur and see it in the orientation and scale position that you originally left it in. Um, and that would allow for this like, 
massively multiplayer AR game layer, which is kind of similar to what Niantic is interested in. Um, That's the guys uh, by Pokemon Go, for those that don't know. Exactly, exactly, yeah. Um, But then it turned out that in order to support this AR content, in order to support this stuff floating around in the world, you need um, you need containers. You need to place it inside of something. You can't just place it in in the blankness of 3D space. And the containers are generated by 3D scanning. Um, 3D scanning and AR, as defined right now, are are basically two sides of the same coin, where AR content necessitates a 3D scan. And when you're 3D scanning, you're automatically creating a container that AR stuff can go inside of. Um, so we focused more on the 3D scanning side of it in order to, to make the AR content um, possible. And a group of us got, got kind of more and more sucked into 3D scanning and it became, we, we created this app called Displayland where 3D scanning was kind of the whole thing. It was, I think it was the first, one of the first apps to do totally cloud-based photogrammetry. So you take a bunch of photos, upload them, get 3D reconstruction back. Um, but at the, at the start of the pandemic, the app was not like, it wasn't a massive success. It was like a burgeoning kind of good, helpful, creative tool, uh-huh. but it wasn't, we weren't charging for it at all so that it didn't have a revenue component. Um, and when the pandemic hit, it was like, oh, people aren't going to go outside again. Um, so the, the leadership of that company decided to go a different direction. And um, those of us who are like primarily focused on the 3D capture app were, were kind of laid off. Uh, and and that gave Chris and I an opportunity to try again because we're like, oh, we love the 3D scanning side of it. Let's let's give it another shot. Um, and the other the other thing that happened was around the same time, Apple put a LiDAR sensor on the iPad Pro model, uh, very unexpectedly, kind of with no fanfare. They're like, hey, we have yep. a LiDAR thing on this now. I and, didn't see uh, it coming. No, I was it was it was out of the blue. Um, I think that was like in March, February and March, 2020. Mm-hmm. And then the rumor was that they were going to put it on some of the iPhones as well, um, which was unconfirmed, but we were kind of. It was, I mean, it, it was a natural move, right? This, it made sense. It's a very Apple move to, you know, look at building something to start that works in a larger product and then trying to shrink it. Right. Totally. Yeah. hundred um, percent. Yeah. So so we were like hoping that that would happen when Apple released their newest iPhones or announced them in October of that year, or sorry, in September. And, um, and that's, that's what happened. Um, so we put Polycam together, got the app out like a week or two before the iPhone release. Um, it was just on iPad initially. And then when the iPhones came, it, the, we, we were charging for it right away, we, which was a distinct difference from Displayland. And when, when the iPhone hit, our revenue just kind of it just jumped like fivefold overnight, um, and then we were we were off to the races. So kind of gone from there. It's been like two two and a half years since then that we've been working on it, and uh, I think it's it's been great. It's gone really well. And did I see that right? Over forty million downloads. Um, that number feels a little bit high, but it's it's possible. Um, yeah, I wish I wish I had it off the off the back of my hand. I, it's it's in the it's in the tens of millions, but I feel like forty is a little bit high. Okay. Uh, yeah. So, but it's been it's been great, and it's still really fun. The team's like, um, well, we just hired a, a few more people since so around twenty folks right now. It's fully remote; we're all spread out, and uh, yeah, it's just really fun to be working on three D capture stuff and figure it out. 
learn about all the cool things people are doing with it. Now, I've seen some really cool use cases for Polycam. Have there been use cases that users have done that you never thought would be something valid or valuable, and then all of a sudden it became that? Hmm. That's a really good question. Um, There's, so I think the answer, the answer is undoubtedly, like that is my favorite part of my job is seeing what people end up doing with the tool when when granted with the power of like you can make a 3d model instantly out of a video recording or out of images what do you, what do people do with it right. um and it's been really fun to just see to, to be exposed to the wide variety of careers that are out there where this particular technology is incredibly helpful so as an example like um we did a round of user interviews late last year, and there's a woman who works for, um, I think, the U.S. Geological Survey. Uh, and her task, she's her, I think she's she's post PhD, so she's just like researching as a as a researcher at USGS, or USGS, and her task was to figure out how much um, carbon dioxide specific trees or tree stumps inside of the swamps in the Louisiana Bayou are emitting. So to do that, she needs to calculate the surface area of these really unusual shapes that are coming out of the out of the muck, out of the bayou. They're like these log, uh, she had a specific word for which I can't remember, but they're kind of these like, you know, amputated arm shapes, like very twisty, very fractally. Measuring um, that's she, pretty much impossible with traditional. I mean, yeah. you could go there, start taking a bunch of diameter measurements, and then you would effectively be building a 3D mesh based on that. Or It's kind of the same way that we do um, DICOM data for CTs and MRIs, where it slices, mm -hmm. and we kind of just make up the in-between because we can't see it. And that's likely what they were doing previously. They, they were getting some approximation, but now with right. Polycam, they're getting much closer to real. Right. Yeah. I mean, there's a classic like high school physics problem of, um, you know, how do you measure the volume of a complex shape, an unusual shape? And and it, usually the answer is like you drop it into water, yeah, you put in water and you see you see how much the water goes up. But with something that's large and fixed and very unusually shaped and you're not supposed to move it. Yep. You know, how do you do it? And uh, and what, I mean, what it is, is you make a copy of it. You copy the data into a model and then you you let the computer take care of the actual computation which you know is the is, you get the computer equivalent of putting it in in water whatever the algorithm is for for the volume of an unusual shape but yeah that was a really fun one to hear about um there's also just so many so many niche industries in the world of like construction and building stuff um there are there are like people who make only garden houses in the uk they're like only greenhouse construction that's all we do there are people who only make like netting uh on top of pools in florida so bugs can't get in but people can like be outside in their pool um yeah that, that, that's a thing here <laughs> <laughs> yeah 100, definitely uh and there's there's like there's infinitely many of those where people make a, a certain kind of construction. I mean, there's like lighting design, there's chimney design. And um, it's like, there's no market for a 3D scanner for people who only create chimneys. 
And the, the trick is like, can you make something which is general purpose enough so that the chimney designer and the you know bug netting over pool designer can both benefit from the product? I remember when we got a uh, screen installed on uh, a pool where I grew up uh, or spent some of my teenage years. Um, they, it was all estimated, right? They come out, they take some basic ideas. Like it's going to be roughly this price. And, you know, they said, we're good for this price. So what I know they're doing is they're quoting high because they don't know exactly what it's going to take because they might, some things might be a little bit different when they actually start installing things. So yeah, having... Having knowledge with 3D mapping data would be amazing. I mean, we're seeing that now with uh, with surveying. Mm. Traditional surveying is going to the wayside where we're starting to use metrology grade scanners, so a little bit different than what Polycam can do, but they're hitting better accuracies with LIDAR than they were hitting with traditional. Mm. That to me really shows the potential for what this cap for what this technology can do. And we were talking about that to me, apps like Polycam really serve this purpose to educate the end user. Because any of us that have dealt with customers in the 3D printing world, everybody thinks that you can just 3D scan something and makes a perfectly accurate representation. I can change whatever I want in a parametric environment. And then 3D print it to fit exactly mm. where the old one fit. And literally none of that is true, except the 3D <laughs> print it part, right? And I always tell people, if you want to try 3D scanning yourself, if you think that my price is too much and you want to try it yourself, here's Polycam, go and try it. Mm, yeah. It's But it's not getting me perfect results. Of course it's not. It's a cell phone. The right. fact that it's even possible is amazing to me that we are getting this level of ability in our pockets. And mm -hmm. I was talking uh, earlier about utilizing the front facing, the, the, the LiDAR that faces you, because on the iPhone, that one is the one that is way more accurate. So we've seen a lot of people do mirrors where they use a mirror to push it to the front of the phone or the rear mm. of the phone, I guess. And so they can use that to do much higher end scans. Is that something you see a lot of polycam users doing as well? Um, not, not as much. Um, I mean, with our app specifically, we don't have a mode where you can utilize the, the front facing, uh, structured light sensor to get, to get information back. Um, so it's, it would be fun to enable it so people could kind of hack it together, it um, but it's not something that we've set up yet. The, uh, the two sensors are like, they're really interesting as a, as different pieces of technology. Um, cause the front is structured light, uh, infrared. So it's you know, sending a specific dot pattern out and has a camera, which is you know, geared to read the dot pattern. Um, so it like, it works better. It, it's more sensitive to certain lighting conditions than the LiDAR sensor is. Um, uh, it also has less range. So I think yeah. it maxes out at like four or five feet. Um, and you know, it doesn't, it's like, it's a little bit harder to, if you're trying to point it at something, you don't get the feedback of the screen uh, to help guide you or like know what you're looking at. So it's a little bit harder in that sense too. But I was, when I started researching like how the LiDAR sensor on the back of the iPhone actually works, this like V-cell technology, it's, um, I thought, I thought it would work the same as like a, a laser projector 
where there's like a scanner there, you know, there's moving parts. Yeah. There's like a single, a single beam that's, that's scanning, yep. but it, that's not it. Nope. Like it, there really are, there's an array of laser diodes on there. Um, that's all embedded into a tiny little chip, which is like completely mind blowing how much they pack into that little, that little tiny sensor. Um, yeah, it's super cool. Uh, so I think the lighter has like a little bit more, um, maybe a, a little bit more utility to it in the long run, just because of the range. And, um, it's good out to what five meters or so about 15 feet. Yeah. Yeah. I think you can go a little bit further sometimes. Um, in, in like extremely bright light, it it's probably limited to five meters, but um, in an indoor space, it can go a little bit further. Um, but there's rumors that the next iPhone, so it'd be the 15, which is coming out in September. Um, there's rumors that they're going to swap the manufacturer for the LiDAR sensor. Um, I think, I can't remember the one that currently makes it, but swap it out for a Sony model, model and that that might boost the capabilities of it a little bit so have to wait and see i mean if i could afford sony phones because honestly i don't need the camera they have so i go with samsung Mm -hmm. but when we switched from so from canon cameras to sony cameras i was night and day difference for the quality of the video that we produced and if they're going to go from one soc to another and they're going to go to a sony sony's been doing this for a minute I would love yeah. to see them actually work with companies like Surfazer or Steinbickler or Leica because th- those companies actually make real LiDAR, like big LiDAR scanners, um, you know, that do uh, my, I have a, it's an R-Tech, but it's a, it's a Surfazer 10HS. That thing could do 110 meter radius. Now it's a big piece, but the tech that happens with that could easily be implemented into a phone. But it is, like you said, it's a scanning. So it actually uses a uh, a rotating mirror uh, and a turntable for the scanner itself to function. Mm-hmm. Um, and it needs to be like crazy clean. It registers if it's dirty at all. Um, yeah, it, LiDAR, LiDAR's picky, real picky. Yeah, picky but amazing. Like those, those mirrors are... Um... They're yeah. so it's so wild the like coordination between a, a, a laser beam mirrors that it's hitting and then the receiver um, that interprets the signal like it's it's this crazy coordination of parts but yeah for the for the larger more expensive pieces it the resolution is wild like you, you get a whole city block in a in a scan um, with really really high fidelity no. Um, on the iPhone, it's LiDAR. What are we looking at accuracy-wise from, you know, in the middle of the road? Sure, yeah. Um, so the the current LiDAR sensor on the iPhone, um, the actual resolution that comes back, like I think the actual like number of diodes on the sensor is like 48 by 48. Don't quote me on that, but it's roughly it's it's roughly that resolution. So, so it's pretty low. Uh-huh. Um the amount of data that you're getting back. If you're pointing the sensor at something in front of you, you're only getting, um, you know, 20, 2,500 roughly data points, um, pick pixels, depth pixels in a moment. Uh, but it turns out that that's, so Apple upscales that on their end. So the, the actual uh, depth map that you get back from Apple's API is like a little bit higher than that. It's, I can't remember the resolution off the top of my head, but it's like one, 
roughly 150 by 80, 150 by 100, something like that. So they upscale it, I think, using machine learning um, to give you back something that's a little bit more usable. And you're getting the depth back for every pixel on uh, the RGB camera image as you're, as you're scanning. Um, and then the question is like, what can you do with that limited amount of information and how, how high fidelity of a scan can you take the depth information and, and use it to reconstruct? Um, so if you're just using the depth data itself, like you're not doing anything special to it, you're not running any additional processes on it, then something, something hand scale like this is not gonna turn out no. really well. Um, it's just not enough depth information to act. The depth maps aren't a high enough resolution to get this in the fidelity that you need. Right. But you can, without any kind of additional processing, you can get room scale stuff at a resolution that's like helpful for people who are, who are involved in, the, in that kind of work. Um, but then if you want to, if you do want to get this using LiDAR sensor, because photogrammetry has been around for a really long time and photogrammetry is like, you're skipping, there's no step where you get the depth back automatically for every single image. You are computationally generating a depth map for each image based on nearby images yep. and the differences between them. And that depth map is, you know, depending on the amount of computation you're willing to throw at it, you can get it to a pretty high resolution. Um, and so that's how you get back like a really, really high fidelity model using images. Um, but it, you can't do it on a phone. It's not a, it's not a phone process yet. Um, you gotta have it on a computer running for a few minutes. That's got a lot more Ram. Um, we were talking and, about that earlier, that one of the big yeah. limitations of scanning, no matter what the type of scanning is, it's Ram because you're, you're picking up so much data and RAM is pretty much the only thing that has enough bandwidth to handle that. If you don't have the RAM, it doesn't work. And like, I, I laugh because uh, my Artec Eva, $20,000 scanner, $1,200 a year software, that software handles RAM use without a single problem. The Einstar scanner from Shining 3D, very similar, gets roughly similar data. It is a $900 scanner with free software. That software eats more RAM than, than 100 Chrome tabs. It is insane how poorly optimized that software is. And we find that on the 3D scanning side, the cheap scanners are crippled by bad software. But we've now got, I'm holding up my phone. I don't have it. I don't have an iPhone. But we now have phones that have kind of decent middle of the road tech but the software is where the money is made or lost. And Polycam happens to be one of the best ones out there for making it right. Said one of the best use cases that I love are the realtors, right? Mm. They don't have to use the Matterport anymore. That is a couple thousand dollars. They can use the cell phone they already have in their pocket. Mm. And that's, again, part of building that out. Now it brings the ability to scan a house so that I can do a virtual walkthrough. Let's say I want to move to another state. I don't want to have to take a plane flight every time I want to see a house. Show mm -hmm. me a virtual walkthrough. You know, and previously it was you took a phone and you walked through the house on video. But now yeah. you can use something like Polycam using the room scanning AI or the, the, the API from Apple and build an actual 3D model from it that then I can walk through, which is totally. amazing. Which is cool. 
Um, yeah, I think, I think a lot of that's totally right. Like there's a huge opportunity for us to make what Matterport does um, easier, more accessible to a lot of different folks. Um, that being said though, I think it's worth noting that there's like a, there's an interesting difference between what we're trying to do and what Matterport has landed on. It's kind of their core use case. Like Matterport's focused on people who are, the people who are capturing using Matterport are by and large professional photographers. Yep. Like they are, that is their, that is their task. They own these cameras or they like have extremely high um, dexterity with the app or with the, the system that's like driving um, all the relational pieces from Matterport. And their target reconstruction is something that is like, has enough visual fidelity that it can go online and anybody can look at it and understand the structure of that entire house. So like visual fidelity is super important. It's going on Zillow basically. Like that is their, that's their product is like, it's getting reconstructed and it's going on Zillow, but there's a capturer and then there's a, a bunch of consumers out there who are like looking at the 3D data that, that the capture generated. And what Polycam is like, is I think trying to do, and, and I, I would argue succeeding at is developing for a use case where the capturer is also the primary consumer of the 3D data itself. It's like, you wanna capture it and then you know what to do with it, or you want to make use of it to some degree. So like if you're, maybe interested in renovating your backyard. And you're like, I need every dimension of this backyard because I wanna do my own map of it. It's like, I, I don't, I don't wanna hire somebody that knows how to use Matterport and have them come over and then give me the map. Like, I just wanna get the map myself and then I'll figure out what to do with it. It's like much more the kind of hacker, I'll do it all myself experience. Um, that's what Polycam's like ideally suited for because it's very, very easy to get the data and then we're trying to make it as easy as possible for that data to flow into whatever software you're comfortable with. Um, and maybe it's just Polycam itself. Maybe it doesn't have to get exported even, but you can get every measurement. You can kind of build your little, little plan inside of, um, inside of the app or inside of the web browser. So I feel like that's, that's what I love working on is this kind of creative tool where it's, it's a bit empowering to folks who um, have a little bit of, dexterity with 3d software already or like are interested in getting further into 3d software but it's not necessarily about that like consumption use case right now i it's not you're using polycam to generate a 3d capture and then um you know publishing that so everyone necessarily can can look at it like there is that element but it's also just making the scan useful to you uh the person who captured it so um that's that's new i think with 3d scanning that's that's new as a um as a use case something that's not quite out there yet okay um, makes sense yeah we now have lidar in the 3d printing world one of the most popular printers on the market right now the bamboo lab x1 carbon comes with a lidar sensor they're being uh, very generous with lidar because it is a uh, light imaging distance and ranging uh, right. That, that is, that, that is what it stands for. Right. Pretty I think certain, so. Yeah. Pretty certain that's what it stands for. Um, the bamboo has three lights. It has a white visible light that it uses to read things off the build plate. So it's got like a little QR codes and stuff to verify that it is what it thinks it is. It's got a blue light scanner, which is a, like a 400 ish nanometer wavelength, uh, single line. So I'm, I'm assuming they're using a, a, uh, uh, 
a laser level line diode and then they have an infrared one as well that you can mm. only see when you look at it with your cell phone mm. um and they use that to calculate things like extrusion width and unfortunately it's not always very accurate i, I have had uh, more than my fair share of problems with this machine and one of them being the lidar sensor mm. um the thing is that the LiDAR sensors are really picky. If they get a little bit of dust on them or anything like that, it can mess things up. Just like if you, you know, smudge the back of your phone with your with your grubby hands. Now oh, it's going to bother me. I have to clean it off. Um, <laughs> you know, you, you, you're not going to get good photos. You won't get good scans. You won't get anything like that. But it's interesting to see that technology now come into not just the phones, but into the machines themselves as well. Because I'll say, when that LiDAR sensor works... By golly, I, I'm I'm gonna be messing around with some. Uh, it's called lightweight PLA. It's a material that foams as you print it, mm. so you're able to do things like wings for airplanes, hobby airplanes, of course, that are a quarter of the weight, mm. but they're just as strong. They're a little bit squishy, mm. but they're just as strong. Well, if you have a system with a built-in lidar scanner, I'm pointing toward my bamboo. I know this this gesturing means nothing to you, but I'm pointing <laughs> toward my bamboo. If you have a system with a built-in LiDAR sensor, that can just adjust its extrusion width based on a template that it designs for itself, and then it can read. That's kind of cool and is a massive use case for that technology. So it is nice to see it come into the 3D printing world because we find that a lot of people that get into 3D printing have wanted to get into 3d scanning but don't necessarily know where to start and they because mm. it, it's it's scary and unless they know about systems like polycam they're like i don't want to spend 10 grand i don't <laughs> need another laptop with 64 gigs of ram 8 gigs of vram and you know a processor with n plus 60 cores that i need right i don't yeah. it, it, it it's a single purpose and to have all that it is good. I appreciate that level that happens with Polycam because it's the phone you already own. It's the systems you already use. It's it's everything. Mm. Now, yeah. Android, right? Sure. Hardcore Android fan. Used them. I'm going to, you know what, I, I, I can prove this because, <laughs> is it in this drawer or is it in the next drawer down? Oh, I, I, I have a Nexus 5 uh, and it still does function. I don't know where it is, but I have a Nexus 5. I have been an Android user for years. Uh, now it's going to bother me. Now it's going to bother me. Sliding <laughs> uh, around. How, when was the Nexus 5 manufactured? <laughs> like 2000. Uh, I had it when I was in college. So 2008? Probably. Nice. I don't know. Let's find out. Let's find out. Uh, oh, 2013, October 31st, 2013. And this was Android 4.4. <laughs> and, and as Chris Young in the comments says, the Nexus 5 was one of the greatest phones ever made. I 100% agree with this. It, it had wireless charging. Yeah, eat your heart out, Apple. Apple got that what two years ago? Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm sorry, I, I I used to crap on Apple a lot, but you know, the the Android phones don't have this. I think is it, there's one Android phone that does, and it's a really obscure one, right? So 
to my knowledge, the last Android phone that had a LiDAR sensor, and I can't remember the model number off the top of my head right now, but it, it stopped getting manufactured in like 2021, 2022. Like I think it might have actually, the last one might have gotten taken offline. Um, so when I talk to people about it, and this could be incorrect, but I basically say like there aren't any Android phones that have a LiDAR sensor on it. There are many with structured light sensors, particularly on the front. Um, but a rear-facing LiDAR sensor, I'm not sure that it exists on, a, on an Android model currently. Oh, it was the um, Huawei Mate 9. Huawei, okay. because computer. Uh, yeah, the Huawei Mate 9 was the first and last Android phone to get LiDAR. But Huawei, of course, is, you can't. Don't use Huawei phones, people. <laughs> don't, don't do that. Like, hard to trust. Yeah, hard to trust. Um, so yeah, I mean, there's... oh, the Note 10 Ultra had one. I didn't. The Samsung had one with a lidar sensor. That was my recollection, but I, oh, okay. I think it might have gone away. Huh. I don't know if it's still manufactured at all. Good but to I do know. think that there was a same. I thought it was like an S, an S something, and and like the upper level model. But I don't. It, it'd be a better question for the internet. Well, but, um... we we have the comments. We have the live chat. So this is where we get to say this is Cunningham's law. We get to say the wrong thing. And we let the internet correct us <laughs> because some of them are going to do it better than I can. Um, yeah, anger them. Okay. It was, it, no, we're not going to anger them. Uh, or we, we have a great, we have a great uh, live chat worth people. 3D Medic Vin says it was the only uh, Samsung phone to have it. Uh, they have not done it since. So for, for us, uh, us Android users, it's photogrammetry only, um, which obviously limits the quality of the scans, right? Uh. <clears throat> So it is photogrammetry only right now. For 3D printing, I would actually recommend photogrammetry even on the iPhone, like especially for smaller stuff. It's just, you're gonna get a higher fidelity result. The depth maps are higher resolution. Yep. Um, it's just a better tool. So in that sense, it's not, it's not really limited. The limiting factor is um, scale. Like uh, the, when you're using just images to generate a photogrammetry capture, it's hard to infer scale unless there's a little bit of metadata that comes back with the photos. Right. Um, so it's, it's hard to make a guess of like how, how literally how big is this thing? So you can end up in a world where like you have a, you know, all the dimensions are accurate relative to one another for uh, like a, a little figurine that you're trying to, to 3D print. Um, but the scale that comes into the, the printing software says that it's like, you know, 10 kilometers wide or something uh, when it lands in there. So you have to do some manual scaling adjustments to make it like a true, a true copy. Um, but uh, otherwise, the, a lot of the camera sensors on Android phones are are just as good as the camera sensors that are on iPhone. I mean, um, geez, the, the, the amount of pixels we're packing into cell phones at this point, like, right. There's like a hundred something megapixel sensor. I'm like, that sensor is the size of your pinky nail. I don't care how many pixels you pack into it. It's not going to look better than mm. one of my 24 megapixel full frame Sony cameras. Like it's just, yeah. sure, you can zoom in, but there is going to be more grain in that photo than in a field in Kansas. Okay. <laughs> it is, it's, I don't know. It's like there, there's an obsession, like a measuring contest of we have to have the highest fidelity cameras. They must have the most amount of megapixels. But doesn't that get in the way? Because big photos take big processing. Yeah, that's true. Um, I mean, we, especially in the Android ecosystem, 
you're developing one app for all all Android phones. Yep. So you're constrained often by the limitations of the lowest end phones that you want to support. Um, and so if there's a phone with a sensor that takes, you know, 30 megapixel photos and you want to allow that sensor to upload, you, you want to allow that device to upload those photos in full resolution. You have to write code, which lets that phone do that and a code with, and a phone which has a sensor which takes much lower resolution photos to also upload it or a phone that's more like memory constrained when you try and compress the images, uh, zip them up and, and then upload. So it's, it's almost, it's hard sometimes with Android to like write an app that takes advantage of like the highest end hardware inside of the devices um, and, and doesn't compromise by just kicking out or saying, you know, the bottom 80% of devices on Android aren't supported. Um, I think ours, where we land is like on the Google play console, there's like, I'm going to butcher some of these numbers, but let's say 13,000 Android devices that you can potentially support. I think we'd, the Polycam app currently supports like 8,000 of them um, with the the ones that it doesn't support being the ones that have the lowest uh, lowest amount of RAM and just like weird graphics capabilities that make it hard to run our renderer on it. So don't um, put Polycam on my still functioning Nexus 5. <laughs> you could, no, I don't think it would work. <laughs> so it's like, now I want to try it because I can just root it, put try. the latest version of Android on it and it will it will think that it can function. How uh, much RAM do you think the Nexus 5 has? Like 256 megabytes? It's not much. Let's find out. <laughs> uh, let's see. Two gigs. Oh, nice. Not bad. With a Snapdragon 800 processor, apparently. Nice. Which seems like that a might... much nicer processor than it should have. I think the cutoff currently for RAM on Android phones for Polycam is like three three gigs. Um, <laughs> so it'd be just under. Yeah, yeah, it was uh it was either a sixteen gig or thirty two gig phone with two gigs of RAM. Uh it's EMMC four point five. Uh it had an eight megapixel F two point four thirty millimeter standard focal length. Uh let's see what else. That might be useful. It had an accelerometer, gyro, proximity, compass, and barometer. Um, yeah. Yeah. Not, not going, what you would consider high-end phones these days. Yeah. The LiDAR on on Android phones is a really, really interesting question. Um, because I, Apple has done a very weird job at communicating to users like what the LiDAR sensor is actually good for. Uh, it's cool. People know that it's cool to have it on your phone. It's just on the pro models. But there's very little marketing material coming from Apple that's like, if you have this LiDAR sensor and you're a contractor, your life is easier. Like you just get every dimension automatically. And I, I have yet to see that um, communicated to folks. And I feel like when that does start to become more of a, a little bit of a sales and marketing pitch for Apple, then you see, you probably see some Android manufacturers like trying to compete against it. But as you, as you were mentioning earlier, like Android does things first. It, it, the Android ecosystem, by and large, releases so many features that make its way that make their way onto iOS. Eventually, Android does them first. iOS copies it, and LiDAR is a different. LiDAR is a little bit like it. It was on some Android models initially, but that it doesn't feel like a thing that Android is currently pressured to compete with. Um, I think now with the Apple VR headset thing, whatever the heck they're calling it, um, mm -hmm. we I think we're going to see Apple. Um, 
pushing this tech harder because those two integrate directly with each other. And if Apple, if Apple doesn't do that, honestly, whoever's in their marketing just should get fired. If they don't say, you know, you can, you can scan something, you know, let's say you're out like my brother who's in Hawaii right now uses his girlfriend's iPhone. Cause he, he's an Android user. Uh, and you know, or maybe he does polycam for, you know, photogrammetry and they 3d scan the wedding venue that her brother's getting married at. They can then go back later and look at it in VR. Mm, yeah. I'm like, I can yeah. give you a 3d scanner to take, but none of, none of my good ones I'm letting you take. <laughs> right. Yeah. To me, like to me, 3d capture is, it's ultimately another form of photography. It's, a, yeah. it's another form of, um, I mean, or you could say that photography and, and videography are, are forms of reality capture that preceded 3D capture. It's like you're just extracting information from the world with the sensor and using it to some degree. But like, I think what people have proven very definitively is that like everyone loves taking photos. It, taking photos is, is like the most, it's like the most shared human technological behavior. Um, I think you could make that argument. Maybe like texting is is more widely shared as a as a thing that people do. But every single every single person from your grandma to your five year old nephew, like they all they all take photos. And I think 3D capture does some stuff that photos don't. That photo and video doesn't. Um, and as a form of memory capture, like you were saying, your your brother capturing their wedding venue in Hawaii. Um, it's so, it's so interesting if, if that's the primary use case for, for photos right now is preserving memories. And I think you could argue that it is then a better form of that feels like really appealing to a lot of people. Um, yeah, you know, pres preserving exactly what it felt like to yep. be in a place. It, it feels kind of inevitable that, that there'd be a strong demand for that. If you could, if you could deliver people back to a, a time and place that they were previously. I think that's, I mean, I don't think we're necessarily that close. Like it, it's not a thing we're gonna release <laughs> later this year. It's like, um, but but we're inching in that direction and it feels like that's where the mass market pressure is kind of pushing. So um, if LiDAR is a required component of that, then it, it feels like something that Android phones would for sure add eventually. Um, but we'll see, we'll see how it goes. I agree. Obviously, one of my one of my favorite use cases outside of like the you know the 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 good pieces like where we do like custom fit prosthetics. Uh, we had a client who had a double mastectomy that uh, you know wanted to get custom prosthetics uh, for that. So we scanned her, we designed stuff, and printed out, and she's very happy. But when we work with children that have lost limbs or uh, maybe have developmental uh, delays physically and they need some sort of printed object, there's no better way than 3D scanning. Um, mm. Beyond that, though, my, my, my next favorite is pregnancy because mm. you can scan a mother every few weeks and you can <laughs> capture it and print it. When it, We've done this a few times where we'll do three or four scans during the pregnancy. And then as soon as they can bring the baby in post-birth, we'll do a scan with the mom holding the baby. And that mm. is just so cool to see the process and then the final result. And we always 3D print it because it's a, it's a, 
a, a picture in a curio cabinet is cool, mm. but a physical action figure, kind of, if you will, full color, of course, um, that is cooler. And mm -hmm. for people to be able to capture that and even just to store it, right? Capture right. life. Yes, yeah, just too damn cool, man. It just it is. And right. it shows where we've come as a as a as a civilization, as a society, because we're we're taking this really interesting tech. I'm sure Apple has something very specific for it that maybe they're not talking about. But they have something specific for it. And we are using it for all these different things. And maybe we're helping them write their own marketing plan for this, mm. you know, where they said, we can include it. We've got this idea for it, but you know what? Let's see what the users do. And yeah. they see all these great things. Something tells me they're going to have a really good marketing campaign for these LiDAR sensors. As soon as that VR headset becomes real. Um, yeah, totally. And I, I feel like it's also worth thinking about like, where we are in the time span of of this like particular technology um relative to other technologies that have happened before like i have this book back here this uh this like history of photography mm -hmm. um and you know it's it starts like it starts in the 1820s it starts in the 1840s with like people putting chemicals on pieces of uh, wood or canvas and then just like bringing these things out <laughs> into nature and building a little tent for themselves, cutting a hole in the tent, exposing it to light, just for just for, for minutes, you know, for hours. It was like the biggest nerds in the world were doing this photography thing or daguerreotypes, like whatever the early versions of it were called. And um, it, was, it was many years, like many decades of people hacking it, messing around, figuring out like how to make photography interesting and cool and and then eventually producing these artifacts that could go on the walls um and it's kind of it, it feels similar to the the idea of 3d printing a 3d scan that you're just mentioning it's, it's still early days like it's hard to make a full color 3d scan that with the fidelity um that makes people instantly feel like oh this is this is a copy of what came before like it's still pretty hard to do that it takes very specific machine, lots of different colors. Um, but but like that's where it with enough pressure, with enough kind of like this is where people want it to go and enough people hacking on it, then the community kind of figures that out over time. With photography, there came a moment in like around 1900 when Kodak was invented and they're like, we're just gonna make this brownie camera for a dollar. It's just the cheapest thing that you can buy. And um, and I feel like that that really accelerated the mass market of photography it kind of disseminated but it was 80 years after the process was like originally originally invented um and so it, it feels like with 3d scanning and 3d capture we're we're in that timeline still with the first half where it's it's still the hackers who are kind of figuring it all out and how to use it um and maybe, maybe the mass market thing isn't quite there yet it's not common for people to have a 3d printed figurine of a of a photograph or of a capture that they made in their house but you know, someday, maybe if there's, if there's enough pressure. And I always ask people that are, are in the 3d scanning space. Have you ever scanned and printed yourself? <laughs> I have definitely scanned myself, but I I've never printed. 
Um, it's the answer I always get. Nobody's ever printed themselves because it feels too vain. <laughs> <laughs> Never printed myself. Yeah. Um, yeah, there are lots of 3D apps or kind of 3D scanning solutions for, for clothing try-on and stuff where you, people need to get a scan of themselves. So they use a lot, a lot of times they use the front-facing camera on, um, on an iPhone or Android device. But I, when Poly can, we'll eventually have like a human scanning mode. Um, feels feels like something we'll do, and I think we'll make it so somebody else captures a person um, rather than you capturing yourself. I think it'll be better if somebody else gets you, or somebody, or you get another person. It's like it takes two to get to get a capture. I think it's a better better way to do it. Um, yeah, three D selfies. It's like not not fully figured out yet. It's not. Um, now, and of course, the real Sam Prentice here says, speaking of scans, uh, Sam should have his scan. If he doesn't, I can send it to him. But we we took one of our high-end scanners to the East Coast Rep Rap Festival last year, and we're just scanning people just for fun. You know, whatever. Having fun. And, uh, you know, these are really, uh, before decimation, these are uh, 50 to 80 million polygon models of a, you know, six-foot-ish tall human um so you know there is uh there is that where <laughs> okay a lot. that's too much yeah 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 sam send me a dm with your email and and i will uh i'll send that to you so you know how to reach me um but it is it is so unique to see what people are doing i know uh uh some members from your team had mentioned the one that the influencer did recently where they were, they were out traveling and uh, the, the guy in it used polycam to 3d scan the rental car mm -hmm. so that they would know if there's any damage to the car when they got it versus when they turned it in. And while I've done the videos before, you know, I've never thought to use a scanner to scan a freaking rental car, but also I use yeah. a lot of structured light scanners that suck on glass suck on things that are shiny so mm. you know structured light doesn't work for that but lidar though that's yeah, pretty cool it's cool. It cool to see that um i remember i looked at the tiktok and the top comment on it that was liked by the highest number of people was like um just use a video you know like three 3d scans can be a little um a little wiggly or like it smooths out some of the details and i was thinking about that and like that's a valid way to feel that it's totally reasonable that someone would be like you know a video is just as good as a 3d scan in this capacity um but they're also just different like a a 3d scan versus a video a video you're you're scrubbing through a timeline to discover the angle that will show you the information that you want um if you have but it if, if you have it and and so you're you're limited to that axis of interaction, like you're limited to a time-based interaction where like it's just time is the only thing that you can move along to see um, what you're hoping to look at. And with three D capture, it's it's you're bounded by space. Time's not really a factor right. when it comes to interacting with the model itself. Like you're you can get any viewpoint in space on the thing that you care about um which 
which I think is a better way to interact with information in certain capacities. And and this kind of car use case, this rental car use case could could definitely be one of them. Because when you're getting, when you're doing it with somebody next to you, like when you first rent the rental car and you're doing this initial inspection, the little paper that they have uh, to mark where like there's already dings or scuffs and whatever, it's a map of yep. the car. It's an it's an image of the car. It's, it's not, not a, a great map or anything, but it's it's right. something. So like it's a map and then you're marking on the map. And I feel like if that's how we want to do it now, then a 3D version of that makes more sense maybe than this this kind of time-based video. But um, anyways, yeah, it's really interesting use case and uh, it was cool to see it blow up. Um, I feel like it's one where it's an example of a time when people wish they had more information. Like there's just a moment in your life when you need to suck up as much information as possible. Um, and the moment when you rent a rental car is one of them. You just, you want it all. Like you, you're not picky about what. Cause you don't want to get screwed. Cause that, that's expensive. Right. Exactly. You just like, you just want it. You want it all. You want to maximize the amount of information that you have in this particular moment. And there are, there are other times like that. I think that's when 3D scanning is really, really good. Uh, we see a lot of people using Polycam right now who are like insurance claims inspectors or, um, or even crime scene investigators. There's like some, some gnarly, <laughs> some gnarly stuff um, sometimes there, but it's like, what, ooh, is this wasn't, this wasn't Polycam, sorry. Uh, but yeah, you know, this is, this is the kind of stuff that they do. I know this because we, we, we get paid to do these. Um, wow. This is a this is a Chevy S10 that uh, it didn't Rolled go very well for. No, uh, T-bone by a dump truck. Um, oh my god! Yeah, not 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 a great afternoon for all parties involved. But um, you know, that's this this tech actually this this is see these are things that that we get to show. I will show this on camera, but I'll never put it close because when I do put it close, you'll notice there's a big line in the print. It's actually a failure, but from back here. It's yellow. You can't tell. So I'll show this to people because this is the spare because this is technically a print failure. And I didn't notice it until I was done cleaning the model. Mm. Um, this is a very delicate model to clean, especially for FDM. But yes, why, why would an, Why would an insurance company want uh, a 3D print of the of the scan? Why not just use the scan itself? Demonstrative evidence in court. Oh, okay. Yep. There was a uh, there was a death involved. Most of the most of the parts that we do involve either a death or a serious bodily injury we're talking loss of limb loss of function um you know immediate change of life i mean when i had so i i went through a traumatic back injury in april of 2020 i modeled my spine from the mri and ct data live i didn't wow. print it because it wasn't enough information to print um, mm -hmm. but I, like, I can look at the, the CT dad and say, that's not right. Th that right mm -hmm. there is not right. But until you put it into 3d, it's a totally different world when it's in 3d. Mm -hmm. And because you can't bring a vehicle into a courtroom, pictures tell a thousand words, a 3d right. print, a picture's worth a thousand words. What the hell is a 3d print worth? It's worth millions. And, uh, yeah, statistically it is worth quite a few million. Because uh, well, every so, case is done well. <laughs> so when you say most of what you print is for these types of kind of um, well, not the like high, that high litigation, I got it. Yeah. Um, it. But as a percentage of your your kind of business, 
how much is related to like insurance claims or kind of um, crime, uh, just like analysis of these individual events. How nowhere how near as much that? as I would like because it pays very well. But this yeah. is this is what we've talked about, and we talked about it previously. Where it is an educational mm -hmm. problem. People don't know this tech exists. And now we're starting to see a lot of the forensic investigators get this tech in-house, but they don't know how to make it printable, right? Mm. So that truck was one of the last ones that we let a client scan. Now I don't let clients go scan stuff. Now you got to go pay me to do it because while it is going to take me longer, I'm going to give you a better quality model and I'm going to make it so it's printable because... The entire interior is like the blown airbag is visible in this. Um, mm. We sprim in full color. We stopped doing that uh, very quickly because if if you edit a full color model, you remove uh, you remove some of the the realness to it. Well, you don't want like red. You don't yeah. want red where it doesn't belong. Let's just go with that. And right. we found that. It, 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 it did get the emotional response that the attorneys wanted, but it was often way worse than it needed to be, right? It, it, it was more of a, we could make this single color and it would still have roughly the same effect, so. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Totally. I mean, it's just, it's another one of those cases where, like, all of the information matters. And I, I think when, when all of the information of a time or place matters then it just by definition like a photo and a video can't get it all um you're, you're gonna need to present a series of photos or a you know like a continuous video yep in order to convey the entire scene in order to convey all of the information and uh I, I that's where i see 3d capture like really gaining traction is in these use cases where it's like it all matters like all, all of the info is important because in, in the moment that you're capturing, you actually don't know exactly what's, what's going to be the thing. And once these vehicles are removed from the scene, they are now at the mercy of wherever, right? Moving it on a tow truck, things are going to shift around, right? So this one was, the, this vehicle was scanned at the scene. We've done a few where we've scanned them, not at scenes, where we've gone to either salvage yards, impound facilities, or uh, insurance facilities. And we scan them there because... Mm -hmm. I can take all damn day and scan it. When you're scanning at an actual accident scene, you need to be in and out within 30, 40 minutes max, or people are getting mad. Um, right. You know, so you are forced to do LIDAR scans. You use structured light, real high-end structured light to get the real details stuff that you know are going to be problems in the court. And then anything else needs to, uh, needs to be done in either in post digitally, or you have to go scan the vehicle later. Um, mm -hmm. It is, it is a really cool bit of tech. I, it's not fun to get subpoenaed for those things as often we do. We, we have to go talk about it. Uh, but I, I, cause it's like, there's, it's always, I have to hear the story and I just want to go do my job and not have to hear the story because it sucks and there's nothing that I can do to change it. I can just try to get whoever it is. Either I'm helping the insurance company save money cause they suspect fraud or helping, uh, either the individuals that were injured or the families of those that were injured uh, collect on the damages that were occurred. Mm. It's like, there's no, there's no good way for that. But I yeah. think if you are a police officer and you're a traffic cop, 
and you deal with this kind of stuff. To scan a car takes what? 10 minutes? Maybe? If that? Yeah. And that's a good scan of a car. It takes me way longer than that, right? Mm. For us to do a low-res LiDAR scan uh, of, of a small area, maybe, let's say, a 90-degree view of the scanner, uh, about seven minutes per scan. If I wanted to do a turn everything to 11, it's 37 minutes for a full 360. And mm. you don't have that kind of time. And if an yeah. iPhone can get you 90%, the printers aren't going to give you much more than that. Totally. So I, I, I see yeah. the value in it. Um, there is, I think there's so much opportunity out there. And I would really love to see what polycam is going to be doing in the future. Is there any like any, any little nuggets of info that you can give us with about what's coming in, what's coming soon? Sure. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, we, we're super interested in a headset app. Um, it's, it's not something that we've made yet for the quest, um, but we are really, really interested in making like, an initial app for the Apple Vision Pro um, that's coming out. I think it's going to be a really, really cool showcase of yeah. like what Polycam is particularly good at. Um, I think 3D content in that headset is going to look awesome. Um, and I think there's like so there's so many other apps which are going to want to exist and, and put together a really good experience on the headset that um, that are going to need 3D content. So like a, a shopping app for example, um, it, like, it just makes sense to have a 3D model of the shoes that you're looking at. Um, and I think Polycam can be really, really helpful in that capacity. But I think we also want to make our own version of an app, which in my mind is something like what we were talking about with sharing memories or, or sharing an experience um, where people can get a 3D capture of where they are um, whether it's like a 360 photo and a model combined, or maybe there's like a little scene building stuff that we can do. Um, maybe, maybe even audio. And if your brother is in, um, if, if he's in Hawaii, he can put all that together and quickly create, this is like, this is what it felt like to be there and then publish it. And that con publish it probably just using the mobile app. And oh, then with binaural can... audio. Oh, that'd be so good. <laughs> be so fun right it's like a little because there's there's not a good 3d audio capture app no no um, they all suck yeah it's like there's there's decent microphones or like decent kind of audio recording but there's not any audio recording that lets you put it all together in a 3d context um i think a lot of the issue is that a lot of us use you know oh this doesn't even show on camera you know, these are uh, Galaxy Buds 2 from Samsung, mm -hmm. right? A lot of us use these or some similar AirPods, whatever. They all have crappy microphones. Mm -hmm. None of them sound like this. And that's a problem when you're trying to record high-end audio. Yeah. I just have to have my microphone away from me because I move my hands too damn much. <laughs> and yeah, and we've so... looked at it, right? Um, Destin Sandlin, he runs the channel Smarter Every Day. I don't know if he still does it, but he had a channel called The Sound Traveler where he would wear binaural microphones and mm -hmm. just go places. He'd take cameras, he'd have the, uh, the, the, the microphones on, and these were really nice microphones. So he mm -hmm. would 
go to, I, um, Notre Dame is one of the places he went and walked all through it. And if you have good headphones, it's amazing. And if we could add 3D plus VR to that, dude, dude. next freaking level. Next yeah. freaking level. Um, Ronald DHS has a question for you. Yeah. Do you see open source photogrammetry software as a competitor or as an alternative? Um, I don't, I don't think we see it as a competitor. Um, I think there's things you can do with open source <laughs> photogrammetry software that are, that are outside of what Polycam is capable of right now. Um, like every, every knob, every, every kind of slider, every threshold is available to tweak in in open source software in a way that's like not not really possible inside of polycam um and i also think that for open source stuff and for just higher end kind of desktop based photogrammetry software it, it, it's kind of the same thing there's just more um for the professional user there's like more variation to tweak to get the exact result that you want with like the correct polygon count the correct um, texture resolution just you make it look exactly how you want to. And I think Polycam's geared a little bit more towards expanding the market, making it very easy and quick to make that 3D model. Um, so so I, I don't see them as like as super competitive. I, I see it as like Polycam's a fast and easy solution mm -hmm. where you're just you're you're out in the world and you want a quick model getting kept using your phone. Um, and something like I'm spacing on the name of the most popular open source 3D reconstruction software. Um, there, there's one that, like at, at Displayland when we built our own. Is it the Russian one? Uh, no, it's, I mean, it could, it, could be, it could be primarily built by Russian developers, but um, no, it's, it's, I'm spacing on it, but I, I don't see it as, I don't see it as super competitive. I see them as kind of complementary, like ones One's for fast, quick stuff when you're out in the field and one's for like larger projects where you need a little bit more control. Um, yeah, I think they're both they're both helpful in their own in their own case. And Ed C is saying apparently that Zoom has a 360 camera and 360 audio in a tiny little box. <laughs> Zoom? Zoom's the 3D capture? Yeah, the, the no, 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 no. Not the Zoom that we're meeting on. Zoom that makes microphones. Uh, there's a whole different whole different company called Zoom that also makes microphones. Mm. Um, they apparently also now have one with a camera. Uh, Matt Cat USA saying, "Is it MetaScan?" What's your? Uh, no, I think MetaScan is more of a competitor. They're like a, um, they're a, either one guy or a small group of people putting putting an app together uh, that's very similar to Polycam. Um, and here, I, I, haven't, I haven't googled anything yet on this call, so this is go for a, it. This is a good chance. Um. Now I'm I'm looking um. up the 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 Zoom product that does full 360 video and audio because like I want it uh because that that sounds like a really cool way for us to take something to a show and be able to get can. can the the open source one's called Colmap, C O L M A P. Oh, okay. Um, hmm. That's I think the like most in development kind of active uh, 
open source 3D reconstruction project or like structure from motion is another other term for it. Interesting. Okay, because uh, Tech Ztech said meshroom potentially. Ed C is asking what is Canvas using, um, but there there have been so many. Like, I would say prior to Polycam, the big one was uh, Scandy or S Candy. Mm -hmm. is that, I don't know what the hell people call it to be honest. Uh, I, I pronounce it Scandy. Yeah, yeah I, you know, and that one is, eh. I mean, it works, but it's software not great and it's not really supported much anymore fuse yeah. uh autodesk had one yeah one two three d catch yeah that's gone that's deprecated there's uh, a there's a little bit of a graveyard honestly of 3d capture apps yeah the autodesk one scandy um this one that's been around for a long time called turnio t-r-n-i-o okay they just announced that they're they're shutting down um and there's someone in our industry uh ethan's dad has i think it's em3d that uses the front uh, uh structured light scanner on the iphone uh mm. for scanning i don't have an iphone yeah. otherwise i would try it because uh, like <laughs> so, every time that we get a scanner in a test i always bring out my eva because i have it and i want to mm -hmm. show it and i want to compare it because that is the industry standard right when you look at structured light scanners that is it and you know, people are like, why are you comparing a $300 scanner to a $20,000 scanner? One, because I can. But two, it's what everybody else compares it to. And I think you guys are becoming the industry standard where everyone's comparing themselves to Polycam for better or for worse. But yeah, it's cool to so. see. Definitely. Yeah. I, uh, I mean, with this, I feel like nobody has really cracked this, this code yet where they can turn 3d scanning into or they have turned 3d scanning into like a, a mass market tool something something that is accessible to anyone and has staying power for that reason I, the closest is probably uh, reality capture or like yeah. capturing reality which is you know acquired by epic i mean they've been around for a long time and it's this really really great powerful tool um and they're trying to they're trying to make a mobile app i don't think it's going that well but um maybe they could turn it around. Um, so yeah, it's mostly desktop software that's like found a real niche. And in the mobile side, nobody's nobody's had staying power. Um, so it'll that's that's our goal. I mean, just to even stick around for a little while and turn it into a good business. Because I think there's a strong business to be had. Like as we've been talking about, there's so many cool use cases. Um, so yeah, with enough, with enough consideration, design, um, like applicability and ease of use i think i think there's a pathway to yeah becoming a little bit more of a standard uh, that's what we're aiming for anyways yeah. i can dig it i can dig it. Oh. it is the tech has so much room to grow but i think uh i think a lot of it has to do with the hardware that's being provided i would mm. love to see polycam branch out into working with third-party devices right mm. so uh, if I wanted to use, like, we just looked at the Creality CR Scan Ferret. They named their scanners after animals. Don't ask me why. <laughs> um, but we just looked at that, and it's not bad. But I don't want to use Creality software, because it's terrible. Mm. But you can plug it into a phone, and it will work off of a phone. Revo mm. Point has the Revo Point range. That's objectively a decent scanner for the money. Like, it held its own way better than it should against a scanner that is 20x its price. And if we could put that into an ecosystem 
where it's a good piece of software, even if I have to pay extra for it, there is a value to me from someone that has like, for me to take my Eva anywhere, it's a Pelican case. It's me being very cautious about where I put it. It's got mm -hmm. two trackers inside of it. One that is very obvious and one that is very well hidden. So you find the one that is obvious and you don't search any further. Um, mm. it, it's, it's that kind of stuff. And if I could take a $300 scanner with me, I'll take three of them and not care. Right? <laughs> oh, it's raining? Screw it. We're going to keep scanning. What happens? The $300 scanner dies? I don't care. Right? If it even is even threatening rain, I don't take my any of my scanners out of their protective cases because it's mm. not worth it. And to see some of that open up would be amazing. Because mm. that lets even, you know, silly Android users like myself have access to much better hardware and have the good software to back it up yeah yeah um I, I mean that'd be that'd be a super fun opportunity i uh it is it is definitely an area three scannings an area where like the dividing line between hardware and software the the further you go in <laughs> it, it is like it's a wide gap for sure but like the the further you go in the more you realize how how connected the two are yeah. like the hardware. I mean, it's why Apple has an advantage is like they, they have these hardware engineers who have one customer and the one customer is the um, people who are putting together their software APIs. Yep. You know, they, they don't have to worry about like the hard, the hardware engineers don't have to moonlight as like a software API designer. Um, which I think for a lot of these 3D scanners is what ends up happening. Whereas like you get a bunch of really good hardware engineers together and then they focus a lot on the sensors. They focus a lot on creating this awesome hardware product. And then they get to a moment where they're like, oh, we need to provide an endpoint for all this data. Like people have to hook into this. So you have to give them access somehow. And that, that becomes a little bit more of an afterthought than it probably should. Um, but yeah, I think standardization of those formats is I, it's it's probably something that where there's a number of projects in flight already um but it's also probably something that we could contribute to a little bit um just like you know for the for the polycam reconstruction pipeline like here's here's the data as we need it um if you guys can give us that we can we can do we can do what we do from a, a bunch of different data sources a bunch of different scanners i don't know if the scanning companies would be happy with that they probably want it to happen in their own software um so there's a little bit of negotiation to happen there too hardware is hard hardware is so hard it is it is and while i agree with you that a lot of the companies are going to want to keep it in their own software i own the damn scanners you can't stop me from from, from screwing around with it and finding how you do it and with that mm. being said creality is already being sued for stealing other people's ip so honestly they're sued for stealing our tech's ip hilariously mm. uh and that court case is still ongoing for those wondering uh it's like guys we we just want good scanners and since you're not pay you're not charging us for the software i feel like we can just go to as long as the protocols work obviously we can we should just be able to go to somebody else you know like let i'll buy the hardware from you also give you your money but then you can say you know what we'll work with polycam to do it and we'll yeah. integrate into polycam and then Polycam deals with a lot of the BS and you guys don't have to, right? Mm. It's it's these companies that try to do both hardware and software are going to suck at at least one of them, if not both of them, mm. right? Yeah. 
our tech has decent scanners. I would say middle of the road for tech. Their software is quite literally the best on the market, and it's a hundred dollars a month. Mm. You, you you pay for it. There's a cost involved with it. I don't mind paying money if the software makes even mediocre hardware good. Mm. My handheld scanner that I use, my Artec Eva, has not changed fundamentally in ten years. Mm. Just the sensor. It's the same. The software has gotten so much better. Uh, an Eva that is 10 years old and an Eva that is bought brand new today will perform identically. There is no difference between them as far as I am aware. They updated the Spider, and all that is they added a temperature sensor inside of it. I have a, I think my Spider's six years old. It just came back from service six and a half months later. And it will perform identically to one of the newer ones, except it will get too hot and will need to sit and cool down for a little bit where the newer ones will not they, they can regulate their own internal temperature better but the newer ones are twenty five thousand dollars old used ones are way less than that yeah you know so there, there are there are benefits and seeing that the technology hasn't changed at least from a hardware perspective then it's all the changes software now we have companies that are pushing hardware limitations making amazing hardware but they suck at making software. And I think it would really behoove them to work with companies like Polycam to make that integration more successful to the end user. Because that's how you mm. sell more scanners as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. Yeah, it'd be cool to have a hardware partner beyond the beyond the mobile phones. Um, I mean, mobile phones are limited, as we've talked about. There's, there's only so much that those sensors can do. Mm -hmm. um, it'd be cool to partner with somebody that needed a little help on the hardware side. Um, but not something that we're currently looking at. Um, it could be cool in the long run, though, for sure. So apparently, yeah, it is. It's, it, it's so uh, Ed just gave us the link. It is the Zoom H3 VR. Uh, mm. it, is, it is just, okay, it is just a 360 audio recorder. So you might still need to get a camera. Yeah. Dude, if you if you used one of those... With like an Insta 360 just like stuck on top of each other, and then a mm -hmm. iPhone or something to do raw scanning at the same time. Make something cool. I thought of this right now, damn it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm excited. I'm excited for the headset app. I think it'll be really fun. Um, yeah, it's it's gonna be. I, from what I've looked into Apple's interface, like. The key for us is to figure out how you go full screen mm -hmm. um, inside of a headset because it, it, it's a windowing system equivalent to having a bunch of full screen monitors in front of you. Yeah. Um, where there's like a bunch of windows, windows more or less uh, correspond to one app. And then you can interact with that app to like make that thing more immersive. So you can pull it out as a separate window that is 3D content kind of represented in, in, in your space, your floating space, or you can you can like go in to the content that's inside of an app. And um, so I'm excited to, to do some of that. Um, yeah, I, that'll, that's like the, probably the big project for the second half of the year for us. Um, and then I, we're also just like always very, I mean, the world of AI is, is I, maybe we've reached peak hype cycle. I don't know. Um, it's hard to say there's just, there's still new cool things all the time around AI, but it's like, 
it is a pretty, like AI is getting folded into all these products that probably don't need it. Well, and they're um, also, you know, very liberally using the term AI. Totally. Okay. It's really more algorithm intelligence, not artificial intelligence. Okay. You're building an algorithm. It's not called AI. Stop it. Right. Right. There's a lot of that where you're like, oh, AI is inside of this, I don't know, food ordering app. It doesn't, it's like, it's, it's a weird application, but. Whoa, wait a minute, for... wait, wait a minute, wait a minute. If a food app can look at what I've eaten my entire week, like let's say it's one of those like health apps and I'm telling it what I'm eating my whole week. And, and I can say, I don't know what the hell I want to eat. And it can make recommendations based on this is stuff you've eaten the rest of the week. Let's give you something different. My dude, now that might be that might. He's like, I'm like, all right, I'm writing that down. I'm gonna. That's gonna be. Uh, that's gonna be polyfam, and that's gonna be for you to eat, so you're not famished. <laughs> ah, I like it. Smart. Um, but there's for for 3D like AI and 3D. It's one area where the, like the applications are so obvious. Yeah. Um, and also it hasn't really been figured out yet. Right. Um, people are actively working on it and there's all these cool offshoots and use cases, but um, potential use cases, but it's, it's not, it's not solidified yet in the way that like image generation or chatbots kind of have been figured out in the last couple of years. Um, but I, I think we're, we're moving towards something where for a lot of people who need a 3d model, like you, you there's an editing component that happens with text where you got a scan of your dinosaur and the tail didn't turn out quite right. And you're kind of like, can you clean up the tail? Like clean it up, the texture looks a little muddy. Can you sharpen it? And I think there's versions of an editing interface that are that are super interesting. I think when they're, when they're a little bit more prompt driven or, or kind of like textual. Um, and there's also just like making 3D capture faster and more intuitive via a system which can make really, really good guesses. Like right now, Polycam's reconstruction pipeline more or less doesn't guess at all. It just uses the information that's provided to it and tries to simplify and like give you what you need based off of the information that's, that's ingested. But if like, if you're getting the front side of something like a statue and you stop, it's not gonna try and fill in the back. It's not going to be like, here's what we think the back of the statue will look like um, in order to give you the cleanest mesh possible. It's just, it's just taking what you give it. But I think that like that guessing is, is for sure coming. Um, and it's, it's something that AI yeah, is probably going to be really good at. And something that we're interested in, because we just have this insane data set of models that's coming in all the time, um, which we have to, we, we don't currently um, like, we, we we try and index them so they're helpful for us right. in the future, but figuring out how to fold them into like uh, some kind of AI pipeline requires us interfacing with our users, I think, a little bit more. Um, we don't want to just like use anybody's data uh, in a way that they're uncomfortable with. So we have to figure that, that step yeah, out. Yeah, that's how you get strikes. Not that any particular group is dealing with that right now. <laughs> for those that don't know, there, there's a, the, the SAG is currently striking for a very specific purpose. And one of the big reasons they're striking is the new contracts for uh, 
people that are background actors is that they get 3D scan day one and then they don't need to come back. That's it. They're paid mm. for one day. They release all rights to their images to the uh, to the studios. And then the studios will just fake the whole damn thing. Because mm. guess what? You can use high-end scanners and you can fake whatever the hell you want. Deep fakes don't even need that. You can literally get high-end scans of people and make them do whatever you want. So yeah. hi, Sam. I have your model. Uh, you should have your model too, but I'll, I'll make sure you have it as well. But it is... Um, it is kind of crazy. It's, yeah, it's that's a super interesting dispute too, because it also it it shows you how much of the like standard you know um, film editing pipeline is actually happening in three D software now, uh, because like that's that's how a three D scan of an extra becomes useful is is by doing a final rendering inside of something which looks a lot more like Blender or Cinema four D or Maya than it does like Final Cut Pro. You know, mm. I think video, video software is becoming a lot more like game engines um, in, in kind of an interesting way. Just cool in general, cool in general, but also scary if you're, if you're an extra. Yeah, quite a bit. And negotiate your contract, yeah. Tech is asking, will Polycam ever have a local computer version with the option of buying computational offloading. If yes, please release all systems, including Linux, Windows, and Mac. <laughs> <laughs> um, so the question is like, would we have a kind of a desktop version where processing happens locally? Um, I think so. I think so. That's that's pretty doable. Um, it hasn't been a focus for us yet, just because the the mobile markets where we've where we've made a certain amount of inroads. Um, but uh, but there's nothing really stopping us from setting up setting up a local pipeline. I think there's also this other cool local use case where it's there's just a really smart system that's managing all of your 3D files on your desktop, and they're like cached smartly. And if you don't want them on your desktop, you can offload them to the cloud and kind of re-download them, and, and it's all synced really smartly. There's not there's not really a good system for syncing. 3D projects between your desktop computer and a, and a cloud device where like that you can then access them very easily on a different machine or share them. Um, there's, there's not great, there's not great software for that. So that's something we're also pretty interested in building. Um, just like really good, really good kind of like cloud-based file management for 3D stuff. As we say in this industry, the answer is soon TM because soon, <laughs> eh, it just depends on how you define it. Soon could be eight months. Soon could be, three years if you're some of the major video game companies uh you know oh we're gonna get out of alpha soon you've been in alpha for the past 10 years you're not getting out of alpha anytime soon soon what does soon mean yeah soon it soon is varying but elliot i want to thank you for coming out this has been uh a lot of fun it's yeah. been i think eye-opening for a lot of us i I hate that every time I talk about Polycare, it makes me want to get a damn iPhone more. I am so ingrained <laughs> into the Android ecosystem that it is just frustrating. Uh, so yeah. I, I'm hoping that maybe the iPhone 15 will, will bring more to the table. That is enough to kick me over the edge. And maybe I'm cool enough at that point uh, to have a company sponsor a, a, a phone for something like that. Because I'm not, my car's not worth $2,000. <laughs> yeah, it's expensive. It, it is expensive. But I, I think that the technology coming down in price, being more accessible to people is just really cool. Do you have any final thoughts that you want to leave with our audience? Um, 
I think I would, I would just kind of, I would land on, well, first of all, thank you for having me. I mean, it's yeah. super fun just to chat all things 3D, especially around somebody with somebody who's just so knowledgeable about the like wide ecosystem of, of scanning stuff that's out there. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I, I think I'm mostly interested in, in Polycam as a creative tool. Like I just want to make something that's helpful for people, um, easy to use and allows them to quickly, more quickly make jumps to the, the end goal for a project or an idea or like a creative thought that they have, which I feel like is very connected to the world of, of 3d printing, yep. um, and, and people who are hacking things together. Uh, so yeah, I mean, it's just great to interface with that, with the community and folks like yourself. Super fun to chat. Awesome. Well, guys, you can check out Polycam in the link that description down below. Uh, it's I, I believe it's three days free, and then it's twenty bucks a month, or just eighty bucks a year. Pay for the year. All right, it's eighty bucks. Come on, you spend more than that on Netflix that you don't use. Uh, <laughs> seriously, it, it's it's a really cool opportunity, and in fact, uh, I think my brother and his girlfriend are going to be using it when they're out in Hawaii. So it's going to be a really cool experience beyond all the cameras I sent him with. But, you know, Elliot, this has been a great chat. Thank you for, thank you for having it. You know, it is not, it's not often that we get companies say, hey, you want to talk to a co-founder live? I'm like, yes, I do. Let's ask some fun questions and see how it goes. So I appreciate you coming here and hanging out with me. Yeah, it's great. Thanks so much. And uh, I'm sure we'll be, be chatting again soon. Absolutely. Well, guys, you know how it goes. Stay safe out there. Don't forget to call your loved ones. And as always, keep making awesome. Season 3, Episode 44, Polycam. See you later. <laughs>